This is the Post Game Wrap-Up Show. All massive victories and devastating losses covered here. Inside OU on the Franchise Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. It's the uh, post-game show on the Inside OU Podcast. (laughs) John Hoover. Tell me why I shouldn't jump out of a window right now. Did you jump out of a window when they lost to Texas last year? Did you jump out of a window when they lost to Iowa State the year before? Look, uh, the season, Lincoln Riley spelled it out for us. The season is not over, guys. There's uh, there's uh, still six weeks left of college football, and he is confident that this team can rebound and get to the playoff, just like last the two teams did, got rebounded after a midseason loss and got back to the playoff. So, yeah, Lincoln hold Riley. on loosely. Lincoln Riley is factually correct. There is still there are still <laughs> games left to, on the schedule. Um, I just googled it up, and he's right. OU has a bye week, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, John. And by the way, got to be a good thing. By the way, this is Brady Trantham, and just like I said, I'm joined by John Hoover. Um, this is the Inside OU podcast, the post game show. OU loses on the road in Manhattan, 48 to 41, to Kansas State in a game that they lost by seven. They really had no business losing by that much. Kansas State dominated start to finish, um, particularly in the middle part of the game, the second and the third quarter. I think in the third quarter, OU didn't score a point, and they had the ball for how long did they have the ball in the third third quarter, John? It wasn't that long. Uh, are you talking about OU or Kansas State? Uh, OU. Yeah, they didn't have the ball long at all because they kept doing, going three and out. Um, from early second quarter to the late third quarter, they scored a total of six points on six possessions. So that is not what Lincoln Riley's offense is all about. They, they were going for field goals instead of touchdowns. They were punting, and uh, they turned the ball over twice in that span, including some really, really boneheaded, cute, cute, I mean, double pass flea flicker and a uh, reverse kind of a double pass. And you know what, Lincoln Riley, how about you give the football – to Trey Sermon more than three times. How about you give the football to Kennedy Brooks more than three times? That's where Oklahoma lost this game. Their coach got cute, and their their offensive and defensive lines played like little girls. Wow. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, John, because I have have kind of a take on the Trey Sermon-Kennedy Brooks uh, conversation right now. So... Apparently, you are of the opinion that Lincoln Riley, like the offense, is what lost OU the game. Am I getting that correct? Like, no, no, if, it was it was a full full on collapse. I mean, the special collapse, teams yeah. contributed during that during that stretch. The special teams contributed mightily. They almost got a punt blocked, and then uh, they, they instead they hit a nineteen yard punt. Um, <laughs> it, you know, is it, it was one thing after another. Okay, well, like, so the point is, like, I've seen OU fans either talk about two things on Twitter since the game ended. The onside kick, which I'm sure we will get to later on. Oh, yeah. um, the should have it been called, should it not have been called, whatever. And then the fact that Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks got six combined carries. I'm sorry. I don't think that if Lincoln Riley had just simply said, okay, I'm going to give Kennedy Brooks the ball a little bit more, oh, you still would have lost this game. If he had to give Trey Sermon the ball more, oh, you still would have lost this game. I had no confidence, yeah. John. I had no confidence. In that offensive line today at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack, especially on the left side and especially um, Swinson, he played like absolute trash today. He got beat. He was one of the worst players on the field when OU was on offense. And just to just have a stubborn mentality of this is Oklahoma, we run the football here, 
we're just going to vanilla hand the ball off to one of these running backs. Two, of, Both of them, um, I will say, are more on the patient side. So when you have two patient running backs that are slow to the line of scrimmage with an offensive line that isn't getting an initial push, you're not going to get a lot of yards anyway. So I, I just don't know why um, OU fans are clinging on to the fact that Kennedy Brooks and Trey only got six carries because Jalen Hurts, he runs the ball I don't know, about 12, 15 times a game on, on his own, and that's not including design quarterback runs. He Most of his runs come from just, I'm not going to go through my progressions. I'm going to pick up an easy first down in my mind. I'm going to pick up an easy eight yards. So the running game is fine. Basically, my whole point is, just because Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon to get the ball, that's not why OU lost this game. They lost this game on defense, not getting off the field on third down, not tackling, and the offense, uh, what – Every time they had to go onto the field, they had way too much pressure on them. Yes, there were some cute play calls with the double rever- the uh, wide receiver pass, but Brambo needs to catch that damn ball. That was that was inexcusable. Um, but I, at this point, I'm rambling, John, so please save me. Basically, Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks not getting the ball, did not lose OU this game. I disagree. I, I think uh, I think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley coming into this game with a sound plan and a sound um, alternative plan for running the football, knowing that Kansas State what what they were going to line up in, and knowing what they would probably adjust to, he abandoned the running game early. It, when you're averaging seven and a half yards a carry, you're leading the nation in yards per carry, and you've got two thousand yard running backs. Those guys rushed for two thousand and three yards and twenty five touchdowns last year, and they got the ball a combined six times. Now, why did he do that? Why did he choose to do that? Is it because he knew that his offensive line was getting their ass kicked up and down the field? Could be. Could be that he chose not to hand the football off to those guys because he knew that it was going to result in negative plays. But that's one of those things you ask any football coach over the last 150 years. That's one of those things. If you're going to run the football, you have to run the football. You can't pussyfoot around. You can't. Uh, jerk around with, man, we might run a little quarterback, uh, you know, draw, or we might run a little quarterback power. Maybe we'll run a reverse. Maybe we'll run a jet sweep. No, you get your ass up in there and you stick your nose on the other guy's nose and you blow him out of the hole and bam, you've got four yards. That's how you establish the running game. That's how you establish the ground game. And Oklahoma refused to do that. They, you know how you play, want to play big boy ball? You get in the trenches and you knock people on their backs. They played little boy ball today. They played circus act ball, trapeze ball, whatever you want to call it. it. It didn't work. Yeah, from a philosophical standpoint, John, I will agree with you on what you were just talking about, about how Lincoln Riley can at times abandon the running game. That was a problem when he was an offensive coordinator early on his yep. his uh, career with OU. Because, um, like, last year, I mean, we didn't have a podcast, but um, I had a Twitter account last year. So um, guys that you guys that listen to the podcast, just dig up my tweets from around the OU Texas Tech game in Lubbock last year, that was a perfect example of, of Lincoln Riley abandoning the run game when it was clearly working. Texas Tech wanted nothing to do with Trey Sermon. But in that second half, it, it just really seemed like from a play-calling standpoint that Lincoln Riley wanted to prove to his alma mater on the, like in their yeah. own house that, no, I'm the air raid offensive guru, guru not Cliff Kingsbury. I'm, I'm, that, I'm that MF-er. And he kept, he just kept going away from the easy eight yards a pop, nine yards a pop with Trey Sermon, and it would just elongate a game that OU should have had in hand 
going into the fourth quarter well before OU actually had the game in hand, you know, probably about the last possession or two of that game. This one, yeah, maybe he should have had more of an onus going into the game to run the football more, uh, I, I guess, just like more like classically. Maybe, maybe that helps the offensive line have more of an onus on themselves to attack better. But at the end of the day, what what I saw in the game, especially in that first quarter, because I mean, OU scores a they they kick a field goal on their first drive, they get a touchdown, they're up ten nothing. But it was I don't want to say John that it it was fluky, but it felt so fluky because you would see like a handful of good big plays because like yep. the. Oh, you got up ten nothing primarily because of that wide receiver or that throwback pass to Ceedee Lamb. He flicks it back to Jalen Hurts, who throws to a wide open Nick Basquin. Oh, you eventually scores on a Jalen Hurts uh, quarterback keeper. Um, but outside of that play, the the touchdown run, and then I think OU's first play, which was a five yard rush by Kennedy Brooks. Outside of that, Kansas State was getting to the quarterback. Kansas State was oh, yeah. dominating the line of scrimmage, like. The red flags were there early. It's just OU had a huge play early on that kind of flipped that script a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, and Lincoln didn't adjust when 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 the pocket was collapsing or when the line of scrimmage was stuffed. Lincoln didn't adjust. Uh, th- there weren't a ton of uh, the the swing passes, the swing screens. You know, yeah. Uh, the, this wasn't like Kansas State where Baker where uh, Baker Mayfield was facing a drop eight and you know he didn't know where to throw the football. They were Kansas State was running the same defense they've always run, and Lincoln was Lincoln kept running the. I don't know. I don't know if it's Lincoln that's saying let's run this play, and if it's there, go ahead and keep it. But it was the it was the Jalen Hurts shows ninety five yard ninety six yards rushing, three ninety five passing, uh, four touchdowns total, and nobody else uh, contributed except for the seventy yarder to CD Lamb got a lot of talented offensive players that need to have the football in their hands and uh heisman trophy be damned you know jalen hurts is yep. a good football player but he's not um sorry he's not cam newton um he's not going to single-handedly lead you and an ordinary team to a national championship see you know that's probably the biggest surprise outside of ou obviously losing the game today and the defense were looking like it was coached by mike stoops once again because they couldn't get yeah. off the, they couldn't get off the field on third and long against kansas state do you see they, what uh, brooke brooke Pryor tweeted Noted Pittsburgh Steeler beat writer Brooke Pryor, former Oklahoman Sooner beat oh, writer. The, uh, uh, Alex, Alex Grinch Halloween tweet. Alex Grinch dressed up as Mike Stoops for Halloween. I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's what it looked like today. But I think yeah. the biggest surprise, John, and you know, like I started, like I started drinking the Kool Aid. I, I talked to Rufus about oh, it on. Too. I talked to Rufus about it on the uh, whenever we did the last podcast Monday or Tuesday um, when we were all together, and I. I, I admitted, like, I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid, and a lot of it was just because I thought Jalen Hurts, from a leadership standpoint, I mean, his athleticism and his actual play on the field, you know, it's exceptional, but I thought his leadership would prevent Oklahoma from having a prolonged performance like they did throughout 90% of this game. Because, yeah, in the final 12 minutes, I think OU racked up 250 yards of offense. Um, they scored um, all their, all those points in the fourth quarter to make it a game. Uh, they held Kansas State to a uh, field goal. I'm just still so shocked that, like, I, like I said, I started drinking the Kool Aid. I thought Jalen Hurts' leadership would keep OU yeah. from from looking like this, like they did today. Not just Jalen Hurts. 
Jalen Hurts on offense for sure. I thought that this team had grown up a little bit, put on their big boy pants offensively thanks to Jalen Hurts. But I thought the same thing, and I drank a, a whole gallon of Kool-Aid from the defense, thinking that Alex Grinch had reformed and reshaped and remolded the minds of this Oklahoma defense. And what we saw today was almost a lot – it was a very much a lot like what we saw – out of this team the last two years and that is uh it's not working we're not tackling anymore (laughs) i don't know what to do about it i'm so mad (laughs) instead of that we we saw that body language from guys today guys were getting up walking away from each other somebody be talking i was looking through the binoculars and someone would turn around and walk away from them and put their hand up dude it, it you know it was just 12 months ago have you forgotten what that kind of attitude gets gets you it gets you beat it gets you embarrassed on national television is what you get is what it gets. Hell, Parn- Parnell Motley wanted he, Parnell Motley wanted nothing to do with this game. He just said, "Oh, f- that, I'm going home." <laughs> like, yeah, like, he, oh. he 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 wussed out big time on his teammates. Uh, they needed him. <laughs> but I, I said this too: that, that and the Delaire and Turner yell injury, that hurt. But it, that's not what cost them the game. No. They were down 25 in the fourth quarter, so they weren't they weren't going to. Parnell Motley was not going to win this game for Oklahoma. Um, he might have made a difference on a pass or two, or he might not have. You know, he might have. The, the Jaden Davis came in and played pretty well on a couple of those. Uh, but you know, if it's Parnell Motley, you can't assume that he's going to bat those down or intercept them oh, or anything else. It might have been turned into touchdowns. Absolutely not. Like to me, it just it it was just a little example of the bigger problem yeah. with today, uh-huh. and it was just undisciplined play and OU basically not respecting Kansas State at all. Absolutely. I don't, I don't feel like OU respected Kansas State at even in the fourth quarter. I, I just there was just something about the the stubbornness of the play calling on defense, the inability to adjust to what Kansas State was doing. Because like we said at the beginning, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't like, oh my God, they've never done this before. We knew what they were wanting to do. And they right. just yeah, K State doesn't hide anything. They refused. I mean, didn't didn't know you bust out a three four against Kansas, and then they didn't even bring it out today. I I I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened in terms of the defensive yeah. play calling, the defensive philosophy, the game the game plan was just absolute crap, and it trickled down to the players not respecting their opponent, and it showed. I don't know um, what the the plan was for that. Um, backside cutback running game that gashed him, I don't know, five or six times for 20, 25 yards. Uh, but Alex Grinch said they're supposed to be, they're supposed to have a linebacker there. You know, when they're, when they're slanting up front, they slant to one side. It was like Kansas state saw the slant coming and they said, good, they're slanting this way. We're going to run behind them. And they did, they exposed it. And uh, you know, the, where were the linebackers? The linebackers were out of position. There was nobody there. Uh, five or six, seven times. Nobody. Yeah. And Alex Grinch said, we're supposed to have a linebacker there. Well, yeah, you are. And if you don't, maybe slanting uh, your entire front four uh, at the snap of the football is not a good idea. I think Alex Grinch got outcoached badly today by Chris Kleiman and, and uh, you know, the, the K-State offensive staff. Um, I, I think that was, there was, they got exposed a little bit. We, we said before, I said it on the Franchise Morning Show today, on the pregame show, and I think I said it on the, on the podcast, and I know I said it on the Locked On Sooners podcast. Chris Kleiman and his staff can coach. 
those guys know football. Just don't think just because they came from FCS that they're small time or that they don't know football. Those guys outcoached the hell out of Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley today. Oh, no question. And, again, that kind of goes like I have no doubt that Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch knew that about Kansas State's coaching staff. I'm not trying to say that Lincoln Riley absolutely just blew off this entire game because I think he even even told you guys at the Monday Presser he was fully aware of what Kansas State wants to do um, attack-wise offensively. He mentioned it. He knew what to expect. Just either it was the message was not relayed clearly to the to the players or the players just had the mentality of we've got the O and the U on our helmet. It don't matter to me. It it was just two problems, the team not respecting their opponent. And then once they actually got into the game and realized, okay, this is going to be a fight. The defense completely reverted back to uh, the the problems of the last two years. And that was, you know, you, you do your job, you get a team, you get a team like Kansas state that does not want to play behind the chains you get them behind the chains on third down, and you're thinking, okay, this is this is great. This is a guaranteed punt. You're going to get the ball back. You're going to march down the field in two or three plays, score, and then you're going to keep doing that, and then you're going to go home. It's going to be an ugly victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. And then on third and long, we get a defensive holding. And then on third and long, we get a pass interference. And then on third and long, we get a – um, a 30-yard pass to a wide-open receiver on the sideline, and then on fourth down we get a touchdown. Like nothing spectacular. It was just a whole bunch of the same. Jaden Davis chose, of all days, to play like a true freshman. He chose today. Parnell Motley, like we said, just was like, I don't want to play today. I'm just going to. I'm going to go home now, and he did that. And then you've got Trey Brown, who, I'm sorry, I'm going to throw this dude under the bus. I, I've had it with Trey Brown. I've, mainly I've had it with Trey Brown hype, John. I am so sick and tired of hearing how good this guy is when all it was really was that he was just the best guy on an absolutely atrocious secondary last year. So what does that really mean? He does nothing spectacular. He was supposed to be a good tackler. He has since sucked at tackling this year. He's supposed to be a really good athlete. Athletes usually can catch the football. He dropped a sure-handed interception late in the game that could have completely changed the outcome of this game. It could have completely saved clock management, uh, uh, field positioning. The onside kick probably doesn't even happen in in that regard. Trey Brown has played terrible. But again, I don't want to harp too much on one guy because it's not because of Trey Brown. It's not because of Jalen Hurts. It's not because, well, it is kind of because of Eric Swenson. <laughs> he played absolutely terrible. But um, again, this uh, Kenneth, the, Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray struggled today. Kenneth uh, Murray struggled, but he was schemed out of the game. Yeah, he, I mean, but he had chances to make tackles. It was uh, middle of the third quarter, and he made his third tackle. He had two tackles through thirty. 738 minutes of, of football. Yeah, that, I just Yeah, I mean, that, he he had a chance though to make other tackles. He he missed a I guess I am just picking on him. But a lot of guys like you said struggled. Often <laughs> This is going to be fun to edit. <laughs> yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay, I seem to be back. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Um I we we can really quick we can talk about one big bright spot. Do you know what the obvious bright spot of this game is, John? Gabe Burkich. Gabe Burkich was amazing. Boom. MVP. 
I'm still I am still dumbfounded about how he's he wasn't the starter. That dude is <laughs> that dude was cl- he hit a clutch field goal on the road. Yeah. Yeah. He, Thanks to Trey Brown, by the way. He lined up for that damn thing. On a kickoff return. He lined up for that damn thing. and I'm actually watching the, the rest of this, the end of the game at the Thunder's practice facility because the Thunder had a, a availability today. So I actually had to do some work during, thank God, the third quarter. I didn't see one play of the third quarter, um, which is probably That's good. why you're sober. Uh, the, th- the Thunder and you missed the whole third quarter, yeah. Yeah, it's probably good for my sanity, but um, he lines up the, he, <laughs> he, he lines up for that field goal and Nick Gallo's in there, like, bless his heart, listening to me, like, cuss and storm around and uh Burkich lines up for that field goal i'm like he's gonna miss it this like this has got miss all over it and then boom routine i was like wow good job gabe Burkich. and he executed flawlessly the uh onside kick and yes i won't it's a good time to get to the onside kick um that was a tough 10 seconds of real time john that was a tough 10 seconds because i was actually telling somebody earlier I've seen OU recover an onside kick before in the 20 or so years that I've watched OU football, but most I believe most of those onside kicks have been like trick onside kicks where you're kicking one where the other mm-hmm. team isn't expecting it. I basically I don't think I've ever seen OU recover an onside kick that they desperately needed. And not only was this ball kicked perfectly, not only did it um, get kicked forward the correct way and stay in bounds, but OU friggin' recovered it, and I'm going crazy going like, oh my god, OU might accidentally win this game, or they might force overtime at that point. And then I realize that they're going to review the damn play, and then I see the one replay, and I can just clearly tell he touched it. That was a tough 10 seconds. <laughs> And then it was a tough ten minutes during the what, what was the replay? Yeah, it was a tough ten minutes. Yeah, and then, standing down there on the field, wondering what was going to happen. And now, clearly by now, because we're recording this at eleven thirty at night, um, clearly by now everybody is ad nauseum argued about this. The ruling, the actual rule as it's written, John, is very. It's pretty clear cut. If somebody's blocked, in, if, if a player is blocked into the ball on a free kick, he is not considered elite to be illegally touching the ball. That seems pretty cut and right. dry, right? Right. Yep. But of course, like ninety percent of the rules in a football playbook, it's completely subjective. And the Big Twelve, uh, Reggie Smith, I believe, was his name. The officials. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The Big Twelve office was in contact with the officials, of course, and uh, they ruled that that player that Kansas State player did not necessarily block him into the ball with the intent of blocking him into the ball his intent was just to make a football play right and so the realist in me watches that play real time and goes and even in the review and goes yeah I can see that Trajan Bridges ran directly into him and that guy braced and blocked like you're supposed to do he did not have the wherewithal or the understanding of where the ball was to in a split second decide I'm going to block this freshman into the ball and make them illegally touch it he just made right. a football move so that part of me is like okay the sadly the correct call was made 
But God damn it, the Sooner and me and the guy who was on the 30-yard line in Eugene in 2006 just goes, why can't we Why can't we be the ones that benefit from a bad call? Why, why is it always OU and onside kicks? Why? You know, I think um... – I think Reggie Smith and the Big 12 office made a subjective, a highly subjective interpretation of what they saw. Yep. And they made a judgment call, was what they did. They just simply made a judgment call. Was was this K-State player's action in, in creating contact or at least, you know, having contact with this Oklahoma player, Trajan Bridges, is that what caused Trajan Bridges to touch the football prematurely? And they just determined, no, it was not. I think if you asked, uh, the exact same thing happened in a game in the Big Ten Conference next week. I think the officials might look at it and say, oh, yeah, clearly he was blocking him. I think it's that, there, I think it's that fine a line between yep. the, the one decision or the other. I'm not even going to say right call or wrong call because it's, it's complete. It's not a coin toss. It's it's like uh, you know, is is the sky light blue or medium blue? Well, I think it's medium blue. Well, I think it's light blue. Well, I disagree with you. Well, I disagree with you. That's how subjective a thing that was when two guys are running into each other and one of them happens to contact the football. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's another example of football is is such a hard sport to quantify to codify because you've got twenty two players on the field that all have varying skill sets and, and and levels of athleticism guys can do there are like a, there's a guy like cd lamb was out there cd lamb can do things that 20 other guys on that field at the same time cannot even fathom doing so you've got you've got all these angles you've got all these he, different players you've got all these factors and it's so hard to quantify but when you have a, a rule that is this is what it is Two sentences, boom, 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 end of story. And it comes down to a subjective uh, decision. It's just, it's silly. It's just so damn silly. And yeah, yeah. Rufus, isn't on, uh, Rufus isn't on the pod, but I did get a chance to listen to him in the post-game show with uh, Sam Mays and Colby Daniels, and they were right. The whole review, the whole review thing is stupid, especially with the Big 12, because we get three or four reviews a game, and it, it just it makes the game go so much longer in an era where they're trying to speed up games, but we have to review every goddamn play, every single play, because these officials can't make the correct call in the first place. And Rufus just brought up the point, just review touchdowns. Just review if the guy caught it. Other than that, call it what it is. Call it what how you called it on the field and move yeah. on. Because even in the Texas game, I was at the con- – I I Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just want to clarify that, you know, a, a lot of OU fans, which is who we interact with for the most part. So they're all, I've had people hit me on Twitter. This is the, the refs are intentionally screwing OU. I want to clarify something. If Reggie Smith, who's employed by the big 12 conference, essentially, he calls games for the big 12 is on the phone or in contact with the big 12 conference, the home office in Las Colinas, Texas, and they're conferring back and forth about a, a, judgment call a borderline did he do this or did he not do this type of call like this totally subjective call they're not going to screw OU if they have the choice because OU is their meal ticket OU is the only way that the Big 12 gets into the college football playoff OU needs to be undefeated for the Big 12 to get a college football playoff 
paycheck. So anybody who's out there thinking they're just out to screw the Sooners, that is 100% not true. John? They might be totally inept. They might be bad at their jobs. They might be you know, legally blind or whatever, but they're not out to screw OU. They are suckling on the milky teat of OU right now as OU continues to bring them into the playoff and into the college football playoff. Money, paycheck, payday, revenue, however you want to quantify. John, I'm sorry. You showed your you showed your ass, man. Um, where, where did you say the Big 12 office was? Las Colinas. What state? Texas. Oh, okay. It makes sense now. I'm just kidding. No, no. Look, hey. the, the the ruling the ruling is silly according to the actual written rule. Having said that, oh, you shouldn't have been in that friggin' position in the no. first place. Heck no. And that's me, not. And to, I, it bothers me that we spent Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World volunteered to be the pool reporter to go and talk to Reggie Smith and get a clarification on the rule. And there was a big hullabaloo about well, we're not going to give. Uh, uh, an interview we're just going to give you a, a statement you need to tell us what your question is that's not how this works first of all but there was so much consternation over getting that quote and getting it out there and then he didn't even answer a question he didn't even take a question he didn't answer the question that was asked he didn't provide any real clarity in his answer reggie smith and all this attention has gone on this onside kick yeah. Guys, OU was down by 25 points in the fourth quarter. To Kansas That's State, what lost them the football game. To a quarterback who, before today, could barely throw a forward pass. Oh, he's a good. He's a good player. I like Skyler Thompson. I think he's. I think he looked like Dan Marino on about six throws. Today. He, he's okay. I mean, he's a good player. He plays at a D1 school. Yeah, but he's not. I'm going to convert every third and long that I have. Good. He's not that good. <laughs> he, he, oh, he was today. <laughs> uh, he was today. Like you got to give them credit. They they came to play, whereas their opponent Oklahoma just said, "I don't care. We're OU. We're just going to yeah. win." And before they I knew it, they were down twenty five. Today, I was I was driving out of the stadium today, and I figured out this, and I, and I really believe this. I'm not just saying this to sound shocky or anything. I really believe this. I don't think I don't think OU really wanted to win this game today. <laughs> and you say, well, you idiot. Of course they did. Lincoln Riley would slap me across the face if I said that to him. But if they, they wanted to win this game like me and you want to be millionaires. We're, we're, we're going to go to the store and we're going to put two bucks down. On, you know, that's the kind of level of in, uh, investment and intensity that Oklahoma had in, in is me and you buying a lottery ticket. Hoping it works out. They practiced and they prepared and they watched film and they did all the stuff that goes into the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, prepping yourself for the game on Saturday. Like me and you buy lottery tickets. They weren't invested in winning this game. If they would have been invested in winning this game, they would have won it 48-14 to 14, like I predicted. Yeah. I mean, it just it goes to the entire the feel of the team, which is – what I talked about kind of at the beginning of the show is what surprises me the most about this loss because I've seen OU play teams like Kansas State and win but still kind of get beat at the point of attack. But at the end of the day, it's like it, it sucks if you're a fan and you expect them like, okay, they're a 24-point favorite, so they should win by 24, and they win by three or seven. You're frustrated, but they won. It. it it just surprises me that the leadership from Lincoln Riley, from Jalen Hurts to Alex Grinch, who's really instilled a new confidence in the defense going into today, that that could not overcome simple, simple offense. 
that could not yeah. overcome just a bad quarter. Because we, we've seen this defense already have a bad quarter. They had a bad quarter against Kansas. Um, the offense had a bad first half against Texas. Nothing has ever has yet to snowball, and today it's snowballed. And as an OU fan, I am I have had it with the we're gonna get destroyed and lose the game. But hey, there's still a fourth quarter to, that we have to contractually finish, and then OU comes to life and makes the score look prettier because it, it's fun. It's funny, and I was I was actually explaining this to uh, Nick Gallo as well because this is what annoys me about having a committee basically pick your four teams. Whenever OU beats Kansas 40, like what was the final score? 48-24 or something like It was something like that. Some people will box score watch that and say, oh, wow, the Kansas Kansas sucks. They scored 24 on OU. That's in, it was 14-7 to seven almost towards the end of the first half. That's bad. But when this game happens against Kansas State, the inverse happens because when you see that OU's down 25, everybody and their dog's tuning in, and so nobody cares that OU lost by seven because they know that this game was over going into the fourth quarter, and if OU came back, it was going to take a miracle, and they damn near had one, but um, when you put yourself in that position, you get what you deserve, and OU got what, OU got what they deserve today. So it's not just the same... You know, Bill Snyder players. It's not just the same Bill Snyder type of plays. What Chris Kleiman showed today with with the way he coaches this team is they've got a lot of the same Bill Snyder inner qualities that they want to win football games, which is takes grit, takes preparation, takes intensity, takes fight, uh, smacking somebody across the line from you. Takes intelligence. That's what Kansas don't, State – yeah. Don't lose your cool. Yeah, that helps. That helps. Right. Yeah, no, that's uh, – that's something that Lincoln Riley was uh, lamenting today is that the team lost their poise. Um, the players throughout the game lost their poise in, in key situations. So, yeah, he was, he was pretty disappointed for sure. <sighs> I mean, I, we need to give a shout, a quick shout-out before we get too, too dark on this show. We need to give a quick shout-out to CeeDee Lamb. That dude is playing at a completely just different level than I than I ever thought that he was because I've never really thought of C.D. Lamb as a big yak receiver. I mean, he had a really good showing against Texas where all of his touchdowns came, except for that first one, came off of a yards after catch. Today, that 70-yard touchdown uh, catch that he had, that was incredible. I, I, I just, it, it looked like a guy who just was like, he was the only guy probably besides Jalen Hurts that was like, I don't want to lose this game. Yeah, it, it reminded me of when on that run on that seventy-yard little screen and comes across and breaks. I think I counted five tackles. Um, he uh, he reminds me of the old film of Jim Brown when that just tossed it to Jim Brown and he was just kind of it looked like he was running in slow motion or <laughs> jogging and people were just bouncing off of him. He's that he's that much better than everybody on the Kansas State defense. So that was impressive work by him for sure. Well, John, um, this is going to be very, very fun to edit. Um, I, I will go ahead and apologize for the pregame show. I mean, we, we should have known that th- this weekend was shot when the pregame pod had some weird technological uh, snafu. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. I've used this program for like the last four years, and it's never done that. So for whatever reason, my audio track was like a few seconds ahead, so apologies that it sounded kind of like as John described to me later on, quirky. I'm sorry about the pregame pod, 
This one's going to be fun to edit just because John's in the middle of Kansas and Oklahoma, and so, you know, you lose reception every once in a while. But uh, why I still have you, John, is there anything else that we didn't really get a chance to hit on or did we focus too much on something? Uh, um, because I'll just say before I I'll let you go, um, I'm kind of upset that there's a bye week because when OU loses, I don't want to watch football anymore the rest of that day. Um, and then especially... <laughs> Like the Tuesday to, or the Wednesday following a loss, I'm just like, I, I just don't care. I don't care. But now they're going to have a bye week. And then the following Monday, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm ready for football. I'm ready to believe again, John. I, I'm tired. I'm tired of losing games that they shouldn't lose and then praying that they can win out and then someone else loses so they can backdoor into a playoff. I'm tired of that crap. Well, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty happy about the open date coming up. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, shout out to you. <laughs> I need you, a break. You, you do need a break. I need a break. Um, and you know what? I, I don't want to. I thought about this during the. I'm in Chanute, Kansas, right now, so I'm going to just sit tight until we uh, finish this call. But uh, I don't want. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm Joe Homer and I'm making excuses for the team. You know, go rah 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 or anything like that. But I'm not 100 percent convinced that a lot of these guys in including maybe the coaching staff were a little bit focused on next week's open date. I mean, I, I know that sounds preposterous. You got a game, play the game, but the, the guys were probably, the players were probably looking forward to a few days off. They were probably looking forward to getting their bodies right and their minds right. And were the coaches, uh, I was listening to a podcast today, driving in from, uh, from uh, uh, Topeka and the coaches have already made all these great grand plans for next week to go out and fly around the country. And they got, they, they're on a national recruiting. Now they go to go to California, North Carolina, Florida, um, all over the place. They're making all these plans. And I'm sure the coaches are not, you know, on, uh, orbits or Priceline making their own arrangements. I know that I'm not that stupid, but they are touching base with their recruits. They're they're calling recruits and they're calling coaches and they're calling families and they're setting up visits, all that kind of thing. And I just wonder if, you know, people didn't get distracted. Not, and I don't mean just, I mean the team, the coaches, the support staff, everybody. When you've got two open dates in a in a season and the the last one's coming up and you got a tough stretch afterwards, I'm just saying. I'm not going to rule that out that that might have played some factor in the way that this team uh, played the game today. Yeah, well, hopefully in like a year or so, Teddy Lehman can ask uh, Lincoln Riley, hey, uh, what play did you call in the third quarter of that loss in Manhattan uh, the previous year at Kansas State? Maybe Lincoln Riley will remember. Maybe, he, maybe he'll say, you know, I probably should have ran it. Or he'll go, that's a trick question, Teddy. We didn't have the ball in the third quarter. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Well, I mean, that that's overall. This is just completely and utterly discouraging. Um, I thought this team was. I didn't think that this team was immune to have a bad game. I didn't. I didn't think that this team was immune to have a bad half or a bad quarter. I'm not trying to say that. I thought they had a bad game against Kansas. Yeah. I thought Kansas was their bad game. But I thought the leadership was at a point that they can have a bad game, and but you look at the you look at the stats, you look at the score, and. They, they still win by 20 or 30 points when they're playing mm -hmm. an opponent of the level of a Kansas, of a Kansas State. You know, teams that they are significantly more talented than. And even, even in a game like Texas where they played a bad half of football on offense, 
OU wins by seven, but anybody watching yeah. that game start to finish, OU, OU dominated that football game. It wasn't a seven-point clean. I didn't think victory. they were right. Yeah, I, I didn't think Oklahoma was uh, above playing bad, but mm-hmm. I did think they were above getting shocked in a in a crazy upset. I thought this team was above that. I thought this team was, like you said, immune to that because of the the new leadership on the defense and the new leadership at the quarterback position. Not did anything against Kyler or anything like that last year. Just saying, I thought Jalen Hurts was uh, had done some magical work in getting getting these guys' minds right, get focused on the task at hand, and and maybe he did, and and they still, you know, I mean, you're your own man, so maybe he did the best he could, but he he said in the post game he's got to do better, he's got to lead better. So I think he's taken a, a lot large responsibility for for some of what what went down today. John, please make it back safe. Uh back home to Tulsa. I don't know what I'd do without you on the podcast. <laughs> Off from Chanute Camp. <laughs> With that, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and hello. call I'm just going to I'm just going to go ahead and call it. This is going to be so much fun to edit. It's going to be so much fun to listen to, I bet. Everybody be pissed off. Every, everybody just be pissed off. We've got an open week ahead of us. Let's all be pissed off. By the way, um, the Thunder are playing basketball again. So if you want Oh wait, they're going to lose. They're going to lose a lot too. That's probably not the best thing to distract you with. But Sign- <laughs> um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this great post game show on the Inside OU podcast. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, John. Be safe, drive safe. Um, we'll talk to you later. Um, everybody, once again, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. This is Brady Trantham. We'll talk to you guys later. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at BradyDoesSports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at TheFranchiseOK.com. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. And be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.